Good evening. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll be taking a look at verses 11 through 16 this evening. While you're turning, um, as I teach on Wednesday nights and as I teach on Sunday mornings and Sunday school, uh, I get lots of questions, right? Because I'm, I'm generally with little people, right? Little, little people on Wednesday nights, but they're not the only ones that have good questions, right? Noah Green has awesome questions. If you ever get a chance to have Noah in a class, Noah is amazing. He, he asks deep questions, and sometimes I have to like put a pin in those in the parking lot, right? And say, hey, we're going to come back to that. Let's sit down and talk. But uh, those sorts of questions are, are, are really is the thing that has brought me to the point where I, I really had a burden to preach uh, to you tonight about quipping and building up the body of Christ. Um, we have lots of new people here at First Baptist Church Fairdale. We have lots of young people here at First Baptist Church Fairdale. We have lots of new believers as well. And as we have lots of new people, as we have lots of little children growing up in our church and lots of people who are coming to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, it, I think it's extremely important for us to continue to equip and build them up in the faith. And I think it's important for the longevity of this particular church, but it's especially important for the church in general, for each and every single one of us as we grow as Christians for us to be equipped. So this evening, we're going to take a look in Ephesians 4, 11 through 6, and we're going to walk through the scripture uh, this evening and, and see what, what God's word has to say to us about equipping and building up the body of Christ. So let's read. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity and a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. So as we look at verse, verse 11 this evening, and we see that God specifically has called those to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. So we recognize that God has specifically called some believers to be those who would teach, those who would equip, those who would go out and preach the gospel message. We recognize that they have a specific calling on their life. But we also want to recognize that for all of those who have been called by his name, that you have been called to follow Christ. And that, as we will see this evening, that you have been called to the work of the ministry of the gospel as well. You may not be vocationally called. You may not be a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist, but you are called to serve the church. You are called to follow Christ. You are called to be about the work that God has given you to do. God has given each and every single one of us different skills, talents, and abilities 
that we can use to honor and glorify him. Every single one of us has different skills, talents, and abilities that we have been given to honor and glorify the Lord by serving him. And in doing so, we honor Christ. In doing so, we will equip and build up the church. The roles that we are, we are given uh, in our church that we see most active today, most clearly, are those of pastor or elder, those of teacher, Sunday school teacher, Wednesday night teacher. And while we look to those people specifically who are teaching to be the ones who are equipping and building up, we, we must recognize that every single one of us is called to be part of the work of the church. We are called to be part of the ministry of the church. I think one of the weaknesses in today's church is that many people believe that they're attending church. They're attending church and that there are people who serve in the church and there's people who teach and preach. And they're content to be attenders of church. I think when that begins to happen in the church, what we see is that the church is weak from a perspective that there are very few people working. Many of you have probably heard the rule of 80-20, right? There are 20% of the people in the church that are actively working, doing 100% of the work, and there's 80 that attend and in, uh, participate in, in some form or fashion in the ministries of the church. But that's not the way that the church is supposed to work. Each and every single one of us has a role and a responsibility. Each and every single one of us has a gift that we've been given by God to serve the church. Now, that may look very differently for each and every single one of us, but we all have a role to play. We all have something to do. And when we look and we see specifically these people named, if we just stopped at verse 11, you might say, oh, well, I'm not one of those. However, when we move on to verse 11, verse 11 says to equip. So these people were called to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ. So we see that the calling is specific for those who are teaching worship. So what are we talking about specifically when we say equipping and building, right? What, what, are we, what are we talking about? Well, I, I do think that there is certainly preaching, teaching, leading, challenging, encouraging, inspiring. We see that from leadership in church. We, hopefully you see that from, from your pastors here. Hopefully we're teaching the word of God. Hopefully we're encouraging you to read the word of God. Hopefully it's not just because Josh Womble said so, but it is a good thing that Womble is encouraging us to read scripture, right? And it's encouraging to hear that people are doing that. They're following through with reading the word of God. But what is the other side of that coin? Well, that is participation. And by participation, we don't merely mean attendance. Attendance is certainly the first gate, right? If you're going to learn and you're going to grow as a Christian, if you're going to be equipped, you actually have to be here, right? But it's active listening that is the important part. And a lot of times in education, we'll say, did you hear what I said to a student? And the student will say, well, yeah. And then what did I say? Uh, I don't know. Well, that's because they're not actively listening, right? So when we come to church, when we are in Sunday school, we should be actively listening. We should be asking questions. We should be applying what we have been taught and learned during the course of the week when we come to church, whether that be on Wednesday night during the, during the week, during the Bible studies, or Sunday morning, Sunday evening. We should be actively listening. We should be writing questions down, asking questions when it's appropriate in Sunday school, and then putting those things into practice in our daily walk. 
One of the reasons that why this, this was such a burden to me is because we have some people in, in my Sunday school class that are really, really learning and growing, not because of me, but because they're in the Word. And they have tons of questions. And I don't have time to answer all of those questions in a Sunday school class. And that's great, because I just say, come back next week, right? But, but they're, they're actively listening. And my hope and prayer is that every single one of us, leadership included, that all of us are learning and growing through the Word of God each and every week. That we're not content to just be where we're at. That we're continuing for, for Christ-likeness as we see the church built up, as we see the church growing and being equipped. And I hope that it inspires you when you see people growing in their walk with Christ. I hope, that, I hope that you're having an opportunity, those of you who have been uh, believers for longer uh, than, than many of these new Christians that I'm speaking of, hopefully you're having an opportunity to come beside them and help them grow. If you hear them ask a question in Sunday school class, maybe say, hey, you know, uh, I had the same question at one point. Here's, here's what God's word says. My opinion is worthless. God's is worth everything. So showing them where to find that in God's word is, 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 the, is the main goal. And we, we have to see that all Christians are called to that work of ministry where we're to use our gifts. And as the church is built up, you're being built up not just because you're being taught sound doctrine. You're, you're, not, you're not just being built up because you have a good teacher. You're being built up by each other. You're being encouraged by each other. Scripture even talks about us being encouraged by hearing each other sing. And I know that you guys have heard us talk about this before, but one of the sweetest things was, was when we were through with all virtual and the leadership was just here recording the sessions by ourselves. Once the congregation was back in this building and it reverberated with the sounds of glory to God through song, we were, we were worshiping together. We were, we were hearing each other sing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And it was so hard, and I know that you all know what I'm talking about, because you were sitting at home watching on television. I was sitting at home watching myself on television, which is even worse. But I couldn't wait to be back in the with my, my, my brothers and sisters. We're building each other up. We're being built up. Verse 13 says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a temporary assignment. It's not just until you get to a particular point, you know what order the books of the Bible are in, in general, except for maybe those pesky minor prophets. It doesn't stop there, right? This is a lifetime assignment. We are to continue to grow, and we are not measured simply by our comparison with our brother or sister on the right or left. That would be easy. We are measured against the stature of Christ himself. So our goal in learning, our goal in growing, our goal in being equipped is that we ultimately reach unity in the faith. We increase our knowledge of Jesus Christ and we keep pushing onward toward Christ-likeness. The expectation is that we continue to work that goal, towards that goal, making progress each and every day, each and every year, until Christ calls home. The retirement plan for the believer is to be present with the Lord in heaven. I've heard said before, many people say, well, I'm at the age, I'm ready to retire, and I'm, I'm done serving. 
And I think we have to be careful with that because if we're done serving the Lord, maybe he'll call us home. We need to find a way to serve, whether that be through prayer, writing of letters, whatever we can do as we get older, and I'm feeling it. As we get older, we have to find ways to serve, ways to continue to grow, ways to continue to build up others. So as long as we're here, we're to continue to grow in maturity, continue to grow, looking up toward that fullness of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. The result of our equipping and building up is that we will become mature in our faith. That's the ultimate goal. We will no longer be like little children who are tossed around by waves and blown around by different teachings. I don't know if any of you have ever been on a boat on the ocean. Uh, I personally have never been on the boat uh, in the ocean. Uh, the only example that, that, that I have that, that I, th I think makes tons of sense to me is the times that we've been out on a pontoon boat. And if you've ever been out, rented a pontoon boat, and you've been out with your family for an afternoon on a busy lake, you understand what it's like to be tossed about by the waves. Most pontoon boats do about 15 miles an hour that you rent. Most ski boats are doing about 50. <laughs> and so you are constantly having to pay attention, navigate the waves being pushed towards the shore. You have to be attentive. You have to somewhat know what you're doing. Now imagine that I turned the wheel over to Damien, my seven-year-old, and said, have at it. It would be interesting to see what would happen, right? Would we hit the shore or another boat? Would we find a way to sink it? I'm sure that would probably happen. And we would all be concerned, especially if I stood on the shore and sent him off by himself in the boat. That's what I have in mind when I'm thinking here about being mature and not being like little children who are being tossed about by waves. The picture that I get maybe that, that was being referred to as being out maybe on like the Sea of Galilee. We, we read in scripture about the storms that were on the Sea of Galilee, how the disciples were afraid about a storm that they were in and they pleaded to Christ to do something. How can he sleep? We're going to perish. Think about what if that boat was being captained by a child. Certainly, it would be interesting if the waters were calm, but it would be deadly scary if the waters got rough. And this, this example of the little children helps us understand what it's potentially like for those who are new in faith. Maybe that's true that it is a little child. Maybe it is one of our e-kids or one of your kids. That's not an e-kids. Maybe they're in, they're in youth. But what if they're new in their faith? When they go to school and they hear all sorts of different things, they get online and they're exposed to different teachings. Their friends maybe have a different background in religion, and they begin to get questioned on why they believe what they believe. Those are the waves that our kids are facing. Those are the things that new believers face in everyday life. And it's easy for them to be tossed about and blown off course and, and, and potentially pushed into a direction where they're believing something completely contrary to what God's word says. And church, that's why it's so vitally important for us to build up, to equip, to lay that foundation of truth from God's word 
so that they have a place to come back to that is an anchoring point, an anchoring point of safety, an anchoring point of security, an anchoring point of truth. As we teach new believers from the pulpit, as we teach new believers in Bible study and Sunday school, we should seek and we are seeking to see them grow, to see them be strengthened so that they're not led astray by false teachings. So that when they encounter those things, they can recognize false teaching from a mile away. And how can they do that? They can do it not because their Sunday school teacher is so awesome. They can do it not because Pastor Joss is such a great preacher. They can do it not because they learned it in nursery, because we're teaching them Bible studies in, in the nursery. They, they can do it because they know what the word of God says. And they can stand on that. That is the one thing that they'll be able to take with them once Matt McBroom is long gone off this earth. The children that I'm teaching now will have the truth of God's word. And more than anything that I ever do silly for them, more than any Christmas party that we throw for them, silly sweaters and goofy jokes that I tell them, I hope of all things that they remember is God's word. We know that the world will seek through the power of Satan, the cleverness of man, the te techniques of deceit to intentionally infiltrate the church, to lead people astray. We know in the early church that this was something that they dealt with through the false teachings about Jesus Christ. Gnosticism, which had special knowledge about Jesus, that, that Jesus was either all, he was a man until he got to his baptism, and then after his baptism, he, he received the Spirit of God, but the Spirit left him when he was on the cross. They would teach false things like that. God was 100% man and 100% God from the time he was conceived until this day when he is in heaven. He is our reigning God. He is man and he is God. There is no separation, but Gnosticism would seek to teach things that were sort of like Christianity, but added this or would take away this. And there are religions in the world today that do the same thing. And it is only through the firm foundation of the word of God and teaching and building and equipping believers, Christians, that they can withstand and recognize these things as they encounter them. Today, we have people who are drawn away by prosperity gospel. They're drawn away by other things, teachings that are, that are false, and they need to know the truth of God's word so that they can not only recognize those things, but they can defend against those things. That maybe in knowing God's word, if they're able to answer with God's word, they might be able to turn that person who has been drawn astray back onto a proper path. Paul addressed these false teachings in his writing to Timothy. In our call to worship this evening from 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 7, Paul is actually writing and he mentions the reason that he left Timothy in Ephesus. And I think it's interesting as we see that from Paul writing to Timothy that our primary text this evening is Paul writing to Ephesus. And he is dealing with a similar thing here. So let's take a look back at 1 Timothy Verses 3 through 7, 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 7. 
where he says, I, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. Now, the goal of our instruction is love. That comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and turned aside to fruitless discussion. They want to be teachers of the law, although they don't understand what they are saying or what they are insisting on. Paul is reminding Timothy that he, as he had urged him to remain in Ephesus to correct the teaching of false doctrine, that he needed to continue to instruct in the truth. In verse 5, he says the goal of the instruction is love that comes from a pure heart as a good conscience and a sincere faith. If we love others, we will share the truth with them. If we love the lost, we will share the gospel with them. We will share the good news of Christ. If we love our fellow church members, we are going to continue to share the truth, point them to God's word, and pray that they do not wander away from the truth. The danger in the church today is that people aren't paying attention or that they're not being taught the truth. Or rather, they're not taught how to discern the truth from God's word on their own. They want it just like they want their news, served up nice and easy in their inbox. Just, you know, they don't read the, the article that would take them 30 seconds. They just want, you know, the first five or six words, I'm good. You know, the Twitter, Twitter news. They want to digest it for them. And as a church, that might be fine for something put on a bulletin board, but that's not what we want to do. We want to equip you to understand what God's word says. We want you to know where it says that in God's word. We want you to understand why it says that in context of the entire, entirety of scripture. Because then you will be built up, then you will be equipped then you will be able to recognize the danger that comes from false teaching and you won't be led astray. Back to our, our text from Ephesians uh, chapter four and verse 15. He says, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. I really love this phrase, truth in love. We've had a really good conversation about this in our Sunday school class. This, this concept is taught also in um, John, uh, writing of, of 2 John. And when we think about the truth in love, if we focus only on the truth, we could easily become very legalistic and unforgiving in the way that we treat other people if we're only focused on truth. And on the flip side of that, if we only focus on love, we'll become liberal in our theology and we'll wander away from the truth, trying to make everything that someone does okay under God's word. I believe that there is a balance between the two. I believe that people need to hear truth. We need to speak truth in love. And as we do that, we're going to share the truth openly and honestly with them, but with compassion and in love recognizing that, that they're struggling. 
And as we share truth in love, we have to continually to remember that we once struggled ourselves, that we were once lost, that we, we were just like potentially them in the situation that they were in. Yes, they need to hear the truth. Yes, they need to hear the truth from God's word, but we want to love them and encourage them. We don't want to beat them down. And I think that's a difficult balance, right? It's a difficult balance to be encouraging, but yet still tell someone the truth. And the best way to do that is for us to share scripture with them, to encourage them, something that they can remember. Again, we won't always be there, but God's word is. So in what ways are, are we, as we, we look at this, it says we are to grow into him who is the head, Christ. So bringing this back to the discussion about the body of Christ, Christ being the head of the church, each and every single one of us being called to do different things in the church. We have teachers and preachers and evangelists, and each and every single one of us has a role to play. So, so how are we to grow to be like Christ? And I would say to you, in every single way, we are to grow to be more like Christ. Christ is the head of our church. We are to follow him, we are to honor him, and in all ways emulate him with our lives. When you hear that, when you read that in scripture, that's heavy. That's hard, because I know who I am, right? Maybe not in action, but I know who I am in thought. I know the, right, the good things that I don't do that I know that I should do. I know who I am in light of who Jesus Christ is. But that means that there is more work for him to do on me. He must increase and I must decrease. And I pray that God gives me more time in this world and more time in my life to continue to be built up and to be more like Christ. I pray that as, as we continue to walk this Christian walk together, that you and I as brothers and sisters side by side continue to encourage each other to build us up, to make us more like Christ. Our final verse tonight from, from verse 16 from, from this passage says, from him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part, building itself up in love. Christ has, bought, has brought our body of believers together. He has knit us together. He is holding us together. He is leading us each individually and as a church. And when all of the individual parts in this room and those that were here with us this morning and those that will be here for Christmas Eve, when all of our parts of, of our body are working and serving the Lord, we will all grow together into Christ's likeness and the body will be built up in love. Each one of the pastors desires to see each and every single one of you growing in your faith. We want to equip you for the work of the ministry of the body, so that this church, so that you as an individual, will be built up in Christ-likeness and be strong and mature. We recognize that each of us is bound by time. And it's important for us to recognize that. Because this body of believers needs to be prepared should that the Lord call a leader elsewhere or the Lord would call us home. Bernie McGee, in, in writing uh, a commentary 
on this passage mentions that there was a young man who had been following his, his preaching and his teaching and some of his lessons, and he had begun to teach similar style, similar points and things like that. And one of the people that uh, was very familiar with it, his teaching said, hey, I, I've recognized this young man is kind of emulating you. He's teaching the things that you've written. And I think you ought to tell him to stop because he's copying you. And, and, and J. Vernon McGee says, don't tell him to stop. Tell him to do it better. And for each and every one of us, I, I hope that that is our prayer. I want to grow in Christ-likeness. That should be our thought. We want to grow in Christ-likeness. We want to be built up in Christ. We want to have a strong church that holds firmly to the truths from God's word. And our hope is that the future generations that are coming behind us have a church that is strong, and we hope that they continue to build upon it. We hope that they do better than we do, right? We hope that they preach the word more fervently. We hope they study the word more thoroughly. We hope that they go further to the nations to see the gospel message spread even further than we have. And we have to equip them and build them and do that today to prepare them for that future. So church, please, please join me as, as we, we pray and end. And I encourage you, encourage you, each and every single one of us, take seriously your walk with the Lord. Take seriously your participation in Sunday school, in Bible study, in worship service. And may our church be strengthened and built up into Christ's likeness. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for, for all that you do for us. We thank you for this body of believers that you have brought together from different places, from different backgrounds. Lord, we know that you have given each and every single one of us different skills and abilities to serve you here in this place. And we pray, Lord, that we would continue to be encouraged and built up by the teaching and by the serving of those who are here with us. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to lead and guide our leadership here at this church. We pray, Lord, that we would be united in the leadership of Christ Jesus our head. We pray, Lord, that you would protect us from those who might seek to, to bring false teaching into the church. We pray, Lord, that we would be a lighthouse for this community and to the world. And we pray, Lord, that all this would be done according to your will and in your way. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.